This exhortation was brought to you by the Light Bearers, bringing light until there's no more darkness. The one that was and that the one that is to come. Father, we worship your name. Thank you because your word is true. Thank you because your word is life. Father, we bless your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, um, this evening, today, I would um, be sharing with us on the benefits of God's righteousness. Now, I will be sharing with us today on the benefits of God's righteousness. Now, I'm going to teach to a point and then we'll begin to pray. We'll begin to pray intermittently. I'm going to teach to a point and then we'll begin to pray intermittently. So, um, I'm going to be teaching on the benefits of God's righteousness. Now, before Christ, there were a lot of righteous men. The Bible talks about Noah, the Bible talks about Abraham, the Bible talks about Job, and a lot of men in the Old Testament, Elijah, and the Bible refers to them as righteous men. They were righteous men. But you see, for us in the New Testament, when Jesus died on the cross, we were not just made righteous men, we were made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So there's the righteousness of man, and there is the righteousness of God. Now, there is the righteousness of man, and there is the righteousness of God. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. The Bible says that, For he hath made him to be seen, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, before Christ, there were a lot of righteous men. They were righteous, but they were righteous men. Now, in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, Isaiah said, Our righteousness are like filthy rats before God. So all the righteousness that they ever displayed before Jesus came on earth, those righteousness, the righteousness was not worthy before God. So Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, that our righteousness is like filthy rats before God. Now, when Jesus came, Jesus came to die for our sins. But when he came to die for our sins, he didn't just come to die so that we would be made righteous men. But he came so that we be made the righteousness of God in him. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, the Bible says, For he hath made him to be seen, talking about Christ Jesus, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So we were made the righteousness of God in Christ. So for us now as believers in Christ Jesus, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10 from verse 1 to 3. Romans chapter 10 verse 1 to 3. Now, Paul talks about the Jews because you see, for the Jews, they found it difficult to receive this gospel because they thought that they had to continue with the law of Moses. They thought that it had to be all about their own righteousness. But Paul was saying something in Romans chapter 10. Paul was saying that the children of Israel are ignorant of God's own righteousness. And for that reason, they are still going about trying to establish their own righteousness. Now, Romans chapter 10 from verse 1. The Bible says, Brethren, my earnest desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Verse 2. He says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Verse 3. He says, For they have been ignorant of God's righteousness, are going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Now, Paul tells the church in Rome, in Romans chapter 10, verse 1 to 3, 
He says, my heart desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. He says in verse 2 that I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. Now, the same way there are many people on earth today who have zeal for God. But he says the problem that they have is that their zeal is not according to knowledge. Now, he now explains the knowledge he's talking about. In verse 3 of Romans chapter 10, Paul says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, which is what many Christians are doing even to today. People are going about trying to establish their own righteousness. So Paul says they have a zeal of God, but their zeal is not according to knowledge. Their zeal is ignorant. He says, they've been ignorant of God's righteousness. Romans chapter 10 verse 3. And going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So the righteousness of God is such that you have to submit yourself unto it. Because it is pride that makes people want to establish their own righteousness. It is pride. Because you think it's something you have achieved by your own strength. You know, if you remember the story of the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler came to meet Jesus. And he asked Jesus, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What shall I do to be saved? Jesus told him he should, that he should keep the law. He said, I've kept everything from my youth. And the Bible says Jesus looked at him and loved him. And Jesus told him, all that you have, go and give to the poor. Carry your cross and follow me. And the Bible says he went away sad. Now, Jesus was trying to explain something there. Now, this man said he had kept the law from his youth. So Jesus said, okay, since you've kept the law from your youth, all that you have, give to the poor, carry your cross and follow me. Because the fulfillment of the law is in one word. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. So if you say you have kept all the law, okay, all that you have, since you are a rich guy, all that you have, carry, give to the poor, carry your cross and follow me. And the Bible says he went in his side. And Jesus said it would be so difficult for those that trust in their riches to enter into the kingdom of God. So the problem they have always had, especially the Jews, is that they have always thought that it has to be about their own righteousness. But Paul is telling the church in Rome here that that is ignorance. That now we have to submit ourselves to God's own righteousness. So there is the righteousness of man and there is the righteousness of God. What Christ did for us on the cross was to become sin for us so that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He says, For he hath made him to be seen, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We are not just righteous men. We are the righteousness of God. Now, talking about the benefits of God's righteousness. Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter, Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 from verse 31 to 33. Matthew chapter 6 from verse 31 to 33. Now, Jesus says to them here, He says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? He says, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Look at what he says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. This is a verse that we quote. We quote a lot of times, but I want you to pick some things from it. It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, look at it very closely. It says that, take no thought what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, or what you shall wear. It says, for after these things the nations seek, and that your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. In verse 33, it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, 
and his righteousness. So he's talking about God's kingdom and God's righteousness. He says, seek him first God's kingdom and seek his righteousness. He says, and all these things that the nations are looking for, all these things shall be added unto you. So Jesus says here that take no thought what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall wear. He's saying don't get disturbed by these things. He says all these things the nations seek. But it says you seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And it says all these things will be added unto you. So there are things that will be added unto us simply because we have sought God's kingdom and we are seeking God's righteousness. Now, when we gave our lives to Christ or when we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, what happened was that we came into God's kingdom. Because Jesus said in John chapter 3 verse 3 that except a man be born again, he cannot see. He cannot be aware of the kingdom of God. In verse 5, it says, Except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, at the time when Jesus said this, he had not died on the cross. But he was telling them, if you would enjoy these things, he says, you have to seek God's kingdom. And God's kingdom is God's dominion over your life, God's influence, God's power, God's rulership. So when we say, when we declare the lordship of Jesus over our lives, we are saying that God's rulership, God's dominion has come upon us. Now, we are saying that we are operating under the influence of God. That's why it says, except the man be born again, he cannot see. He cannot be aware of God's kingdom. Except he's born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into God's kingdom. So now that we are born again, we have come, we have entered into God's kingdom. But it doesn't stop there. It says, and seek his righteousness. So Jesus says here that you should seek God's righteousness. And that all these other things, many other things shall be added unto you now i want to show you certain things certain promises of god in the scriptures that are attached to god's righteousness certain promises that god says we will enjoy because of his righteousness now isaiah chapter 54 isaiah chapter 54 isaiah chapter 54 from verse 14 to 17 isaiah chapter 54 now we'll begin to look at this verse by verse and we'll begin to pray now he says seek first god's kingdom and god's righteousness because the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel from faith faith. So as we meditate on the scriptures, God's righteousness is revealed to us. As we open the scriptures, that's what Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to 17 says. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He says, Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. So as we meditate on the scriptures, God's righteousness is revealed unto us. Now there are promises of God attached to God's righteousness. Now look at this, Isaiah chapter 54 verse 14. The Bible says, now God speaking through prophet Isaiah, because many of the things that they prophesied about, was they were prophesying about things that were going to happen after the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Some of the things they even prophesied about the coming of Jesus, about his death, about his resurrection. And for most of the promises that you see in the prophets, it was about the things that we would enjoy after the resurrection of Jesus. Now, Isaiah chapter 54 verse 14. The Bible says, Isaiah speaking here as a prophet, it says, In righteousness shall thou be established. Now, this was a prophecy. He said, In righteousness shall thou be established. He says, Thou shalt be far from oppression. Now, if you are using the old King James Version like I'm using, you will notice something. He says, In righteousness shall thou be established. And then he puts a colon. Meaning that he's trying to explain what it has just what he has just said. He says, In righteousness shall thou be established. In other words, you will be established in righteousness. He now puts a colon. He says, 
and thou shalt be far from oppression. In other words, God is speaking to Isaiah and he's saying here that because we are establishing God's righteousness, we will be far from oppression. Oppression will be far from us. What he's saying is that because I'm establishing God's righteousness, therefore I cannot be oppressed anymore. Oppression will be far from me. Oppression is far from me because I'm establishing God's righteousness. I don't care the form of oppression that it is. He's saying here that in righteousness thou shalt. This was a prophecy. So it's for us. We are the ones to appropriate for ourselves now in Christ. That because we are established in God's righteousness, therefore oppression is far from us. Oppression will not come near me. It will not come near my home. It will not come near my family because we are established in righteousness. Now, we are going to begin to pray from here. Now, we are going to go from verse 14 to verse 17 of Isaiah chapter 54. But I want us to start from here. I just want us to begin to declare that in the name of Jesus, that we are established in God's righteousness and therefore oppression is far from us. That because we are established in righteousness, we will not experience any form of oppression. No form of oppression will come near our dwelling. In the name of Jesus, Father, we declare in the name of Jesus that we are established in your righteousness. Oppression cannot come near my dwelling place. In the name of Jesus, because we are established in your own righteousness. Now, if it says in righteousness, shall thou be established. He says, thou shalt be far from oppression. It doesn't stop there. It says, for thou shalt not fear. Now, can you see why the Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear? But of sound my power and love. Because you see, in the old covenant, they lived in fear. The Bible says Jesus has delivered us who through fear of death, while all our lifetimes subject to bondage. The Bible also says that we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, have a father. So because God is my father, I cannot fear anymore. Because now I'm established in his righteousness. He says I shall not fear. And from terror, because terror will not come near me. Now, you see, you hear a lot about terrorism everywhere. Terrorism, terrorists are everywhere in the world. You hear about their activities. But scripture says here that because we're establishing God's righteousness, number one, it says oppression will be far from us. Number two, it says we will not fear. It says we will not fear because God has not given us the spirit of fear. He says we will not fear. And from terror, and from terror, because it shall not come near us. He says we will not fear. And from terror, if from terror, he says terror will not come near us. Terror will not come near us. So the activities of terrorists, it will not come near my dwelling place. Now, let's put your hand in Isaiah 54 because we are coming there. Let's look at Psalm 91. He says that he says that because we are establishing righteousness, oppression is far from us. He says, and we shall not fear. And from terror, because terror will not come near us. So I don't care what the activities of the terrorists are. It says, because I'm establishing God's righteousness, I will not fear, and terror will not come near me. Now, Isaiah, I mean, Psalms, Psalms 91. Psalms 91. Look at what the Bible says in Psalm 91 from verse 5. Now, it says, terror will not come near me. Terror will not come near me. That means, the activities of the terrorists, it will not come near my dwelling place. It will not come near me, and I will not fear. It will not come near me. Now, in Psalm 91, verse 5, the Bible says, Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night. He says you will not be afraid. That's the same thing he says there. He says we will not fear. He says we will not fear because the terror will not come near us. He says thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night. Nor for the arrow that flies by day. Nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness. Nor for the destruction that wasted at new day. Look at what he says in verse 7. He says a thousand shall fall at thy side. Ten thousand at thy right hand side. But it shall not come near you. He says, only with your eyes shall you behold the recompense of the wicked. He says, it will not come near you. 
that's the same thing he says in Isaiah 54. He says that this oppression and this terror, this terror will not come near you. He says you will not care. Now in Psalm 91, he says that thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, not for the arrow that flies by day, not for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, not for the destruction that wastes at new day. He says a thousand will fall at your side, ten, ten thousand at your right hand side. But he says it shall not come near you. It shall not come near us. Only with our eyes shall we behold the recompense of the wicked. You know, I just want us to begin to declare that terror will not come near us. That no matter what the activities of terrorists are, it will not come near our dwelling place. That because we experience peace and safety in the name of Jesus, because we are established in God's righteousness, terror will not come near us. It will not come near us. Neither the terror by night, the arrows that light by day, the president that walks in the darkness, the destruction that wastes at noon, it will not come near us. Now, let's go back to Isaiah chapter 54, verse 15. Isaiah chapter 54. Let's go back to verse 15. Isaiah 54, verse 15. Look at what it says here. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 15. It says, Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against you shall fall for your sake. Now, it says, Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Now, it is the common practice of human beings to, to you know, to conspire against other people you know it's the tendency of human beings sometimes people just come together to conspire against another person you know but the bible says here that they shall surely gather together it's normal that's that's the way human beings operate it says they shall surely gather together but not by me it says whosoever shall gather together against you they shall fall for your sake now put your hand in Isaiah 54 let's go to Psalms the book of Psalms chapter 2 Psalms 2 the book of Psalms chapter 2 he says, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against you shall fall for your sake. And you see, this happens everywhere. You go to your workplace, everywhere you go to, you know, in your family house, everywhere. There's a tendency for human beings to always want to come together against somebody. You know, for whatever reason, human beings are just like that. And that's why the Bible says, they shall surely gather. They will surely gather. Now, look at what it says in Psalm 2. Psalm 2 from verse 1 to 4. He says, why do the hidden rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. He says that the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. I think one of the questions you should ask yourself is, am I anointed? If I'm anointed, he's talking about me here. Because he says they shall surely gather together, but not by you. Whosoever shall gather together against you, they will fall for your sake. So it says here that why do the hidden range or the people imagine a thing? That means for the, for the fact that they decided to gather, he says they are imagining a thing, something that will never come to fulfillment. It says in verse 2 that the kings of the earth, they set themselves together. The rulers, they take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. So I'm the anointed of the Lord. And it says they've come together. They've gathered together against God and against his anointed. In verse 3, it says, it says saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cause from us. And the Bible says in verse 4 of Psalm 2, it says, he that seated in the heavens shall laugh. He that seated in the heavens, he shall laugh. He shall laugh them in derision. Now, Look at what God is saying here. He says, what do they imagine a day thing? They decided to gather together against the Lord and against his anointed. So because I'm the anointed of the Lord, he says that whatever they have imagined to do will not come to pass. He says, as far as that gathering is not by me, he says they will fall for your sake. They will fall for your sake. That gathering cannot bring out any result. And that's what he says. He says that sitting in the heaven shall laugh. So God is sitting in heaven on his and he's laughing. That you are coming together against God and against his anointed. You know, I just want us to declare that Whatever the gathering is against us will come to naught. Wherever it is, because you see, it says they shall surely gather together. I don't care the form of gathering. As far as it's not of the Lord, 
declare that every evil cancer against us comes to naught. In the name of Jesus, every cartilage better against us comes to foolishness. It comes to nothing. In the name of Jesus, because we are establishing God's righteousness, because we are the anointed of the Lord. Man, let's go back to Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54. Glory to God. Isaiah 54. Now, you see, God, you know, God has done so much for us by sending Jesus. Believe me. And you see, when you know, when you got to that point where you know you are the righteousness of God, there are certain things that will not move you anymore. And that is what God wants for us. He wants us to enjoy these benefits of his righteousness. The fact that we are his righteousness, there are certain things that ought to be the norm for us. There's a normal life we ought to live because we are God's righteousness. Now, look at Isaiah 54, verse 16. We're going to read verse 16 and 17, and then we're going to pray. Look at what it says from verse 16. It says, Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire, and that bringeth forth an instrument for its work. And I have created the waster to destroy. Now, verse 17 is actually where I'm going to. And you say, I want you to, I want you to see certain things in verse 17. Because, like I said, I'm using the old King James Version. I don't know the version of Bible you are using, but just follow me. Verse 17 of Isaiah 54, look at what it says. It says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. No weapon. It doesn't matter the kind of weapon. Whether it be biological weapon, whether it be chemical weapon, whether it be a nuclear weapon, whether it be mechanical weapon, it says no weapon. Now, it first says in verse 16 that I've created the smith that blew the coals in the fire and that bringeth forth an instrument to work. It says, I created the waster to destroy. In other words, whatever it is that men use to destroy, God says, I created it. Even the waster, even the guy that is going to create that instrument, I created it. So it says, for that reason, no weapon. It doesn't matter the kind of weapon that it is. Whether it's a biological weapon, chemical weapon, nuclear weapon, mechanical weapon, it says no weapon. Formed. As far as it was formed, it says no weapon. Formed against you shall prosper. It won't work. It won't work. It won't work. It won't produce the result that it intends. It says no weapon. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. It doesn't stop there. It says, and every tongue, every tongue, ah, glory to God, every tongue that shall rise up against you in judgment, thou shalt condemn. Every tongue, that shall rise up against you in judgment. That is powerful. What is saying here is any tongue that rises up against you in judgment. You know, human beings have the tendency to always want to judge. That's what he's talking about. Some people just look at you and they will just start judging you. you no, know, for whatever reason, they will there will always be reasons to judge, just like Satan himself. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. The Bible says about Satan in Revelation chapter 12. The Bible says he stands before God day and night, accusing the brethren, raising up accusations against us. But the Bible says we overcame him. By the blood of the Lamb and by the words of our testimony. So, accusations are normal. It is normal for the devil, and then human beings have a tendency to judge. But the Bible says, every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, in judgment, thou shalt condemn. It doesn't stop there. Look at what it says next. It says, This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This last part is what I want you to see. It says, And their righteousness is of me, said the Lord. Look at it again. Look at it again, because you see, sometimes when we say we are the righteousness of God, a lot of people don't, they, they still think it's a joke, but look at it, it's here. Isaiah prophesied about it. He says, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against you in judgment, thou shalt condemn. It doesn't stop there. He says, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. He now says something about the servants of the Lord. He says, and their righteousness is of me. That means they are not just righteous. It says, their righteousness is of me, said the Lord. Old King James Version. 
Isaiah 54, verse 17. He says, Their righteousness is of me, said the Lord. So the reason why no weapon formed against me can prosper, and every tongue that rises up against me in judgment, I can condemn, is because, number one, this is my heritage as a servant of the Lord. And my righteousness is of God. He says, Their righteousness is of me, said the Lord. So because my righteousness is of God, he says, No weapon formed against me shall prosper. It doesn't matter the kind of weapon that it is. He says it cannot prosper. He says, and every tongue that rises up against me. Now, I want to show you something. Because something happened to the children of Israel at a time. Where someone went to employ another person to cause the children of Israel. And I want you to see. That's what it means that every tongue that rises up against you, in judgment, you will condemn. Now, look at this. Numbers chapter 23. Numbers chapter 23. The book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 23. From verse 20, we are going to read from verse 20 to 23. Numbers chapter 23, from verse 20 to 23. Now, Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And it says, Every tongue that rises up against us in judgment we condemn. It says, This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and our righteousness is of Him. So, no weapon formed against us can prosper. Every tongue that rises up against us in judgment we condemn, because our righteousness is of God. Now, Look at what it says here. Uh, Numbers chapter 23, verse 20. You see, here, yeah, Balak went to employ Balaam to curse the children of Israel. Balak wanted to curse the children of Israel. He wanted to cast a spell on the children of Israel. So he employed Balaam, knowing that Balaam could curse the children of Israel. Now, look at what the Bible says. Numbers chapter 23, verse 20. I want to show you what Balaam said. Because Balaam was unable to curse the children of Israel. As he tried cursing them, it was a blessing that came into his mouth. So instead of cursing the children of Israel, he kept blessing them. But there was a reason why he could not curse them. Now, Numbers 23, from verse 20 to 23, it says here, Balaam says, Behold, I have received commandment to bless. He has blessed, I cannot reverse. Now, Balaam is telling Balak that, See, I tried cursing the children of Israel, but I have received commandment from God to bless. God has blessed them, and I cannot reverse it. Now, verse 21, it says, he has not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Now, you see, when we say God's righteousness, you see, a lot of people don't understand. Look at, Balaam is telling Balak why he couldn't curse the children of Israel. He says in verse 21 of Numbers 23, he says, He has not beheld iniquity in Jacob. He's saying God has not beheld iniquity in Jacob. That he has not seen perverseness in Israel. He says, The Lord is God is with him, and the shout of the king is amongst them. So, but Balaam is telling Balak, that the reason why I could not curse the children of Israel is because God has not bear the iniquity in Jacob and he has not seen perverseness in Israel. Now, I want to ask you a question. If you have studied your Bible enough, are you trying to tell me that the children of Israel were not walking in sin? All through their 40 years in the wilderness, the Bible lets us know, in fact, God had to destroy them at some point because of their sins. They kept sinning. But here, Balaam, Balaam says, God cannot see iniquity in Jacob. How did that happen? How? Jesus had not even died for their sins. Ah, they were under the law. They were sinners. But Balaam tells Balak that the reason why I could not curse them is because God has not begat iniquity in Jacob. He can't see, God cannot see iniquity in Jacob. And I don't understand. Because these guys were sinners. They kept sinning. In fact, God was destroying them in the wilderness because of their sins. For the sake of their sins, some of them could not even enter the promised land. But Balaam tells Balak that the reason why I can't curse them is because God can't see iniquity in Jacob. God can't see perverseness in Israel. Obviously, God had covered them with his own righteousness. Because I tell you, they were living in sin. But you see, as far as God was concerned, as far as God was concerned, God could not see iniquity in Jacob. 
God will not see perverseness in Egypt. And that's why Balaam could not cause them. Now, he doesn't stop there. He says, the Lord is God with the team, and the shout of the king is amongst them. Now, if you look at verse 23 of Numbers, Numbers 23, verse 23, he says, surely there's no enchantment against Jacob. Now, it is Balaam that is giving this testimony. He says, surely there's no enchantment against Jacob. In other words, you cannot, there's no enchantment. You cannot cast a spell upon Jacob. You cannot put them under a spell because God cannot behold iniquity in the, amongst, the, amongst them. In other words, God can't see perverseness in their midst. So Balaam says, you can't put them under a spell. There's no enchantment against Jacob. He doesn't stop there. He says, neither is there any divination against Israel. He says, according to this time, it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel. What has God wrong? What am I trying to show you here? Isaiah 54 verse 17 says, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that arises against us. So Balaam was the tongue that Balak went to employ. Balak went to employ a tongue to rise up against the children of Israel, to put them under his spell. But you see, Balaam said, because God cannot behold iniquity in their midst, I can't cause them. They have tried causing them, but instead, I'm blessing them. And I cannot reverse it. He now says, surely there's no enchantment against Jacob. He, does it, he says, there is no divination against the household of Israel. That's why the Bible says, God make the diviners mad. There's no divination. You cannot sit down somewhere and make divinations against me. Because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You can't, there's no tongue that can rise up against me in judgment. That's what he's saying here. So the Bible says in Isaiah before that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against us in judgment will condemn. He says, This is the heritage of the servant of the Lord. Our righteousness is of him. You know, I just want us to begin to declare here that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Whether it be biological, mechanical, nuclear weapon, chemical weapon, no weapon. I don't care the kind of weapon. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, now, there are a lot of things that God's righteousness guarantees. The first part is what we have dealt with. God's righteousness guarantees our security. Now, when you look at all the scriptures we prayed about, it says that we are established in righteousness. Oppression is far from us. It says we shall not fear. And from terror, because terror will not come near us. It says, Behold, they shall gather together, but not by him. Wherever they are gathered together, together against us, it says they will fall for our sake. It doesn't say that it says no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against us in judgment be condemned. Because this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and our righteousness is again. Now, so God's righteousness guarantees our security. Now, secondly, God's righteousness also guarantees our health. Because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, we ought not to be saved. There's no reason for us to be Because we are God's righteousness. Now, look at this. Isaiah chapter 33, verse 24. Isaiah chapter 33, verse 24. The price that Jesus paid on the cross, he paid that price so that we will not be sick anymore. He paid that price. He paid the price on the cross. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And the Bible says, with his stripes, we are healed. Now look at this, Isaiah 33 verse 24, Isaiah 33. Now the reason why we cannot be sick is because we are now God's righteousness. Our sins are covered, our iniquities are forgiven. That's why we cannot be sick. Isaiah 33 verse 24, look at what it says. Isaiah 33 verse 24, the Bible says, And the inhabitants shall not say, I am sick. He said that, oh, inhabitants of where? I'm going to go back to verse 20 of Isaiah 33. But verse 24 says, the inhabitants shall not say, I am sick. Inhabitants of which city? Because every city I've gone to in my life, there are always people that will say they are sick. People always say they are sick. But scripture says that this is prophetic here by Prophet Isaiah. He says, 
and the inhabitant shall not say, I am sick. He puts a colon there. I don't know the version you are using. He puts a colon. Explaining what he just said. He says, the people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. He says, none of them shall say that I am sick. The inhabitants of this particular place, he says, they will not say I am sick. He says, because the people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. So because my sins are forgiven, he says, I will not say that I am sick. Now, if you go back to verse 20 of Isaiah 33, so that you understand the city he's talking about. The Bible says in Isaiah 33 verse 20, it says, Look upon Zion, the city of our solemnity, that I shall see Jerusalem, a quiet habitation, a tabernacle that shall not be taken down. Not one of the stakes thereof shall ever be removed. Neither shall any of the cuts thereof be broken. So he's talking about Mount Zion here. Who are those that have come unto Zion? Hebrews 12, the Bible says they have come unto Mount Zion. Assembly of the firstborn, innumerable first garden of angels, unto the blood of speaking that speaketh better things than the blood of Abel. So I come unto Zion. I'm in Zion. I'm an inhabitant of Zion. So he says in 20, verse 24 by that 33, he says that the inhabitants of Zion shall not say that I am sick. Because their iniquity shall be forgiven them. So I will not say that I am sick. Oh, glory. You see, if you have any family member or any person that you know that is sick, open this picture to him. Let him see it. You are an inhabitant of Zion. He said they will not even say I am sick. He's not even saying they will not experience it. He said they will not even say. Why? Their iniquities are forgiven them. So their health is guaranteed. Their iniquities are forgiven them. Now, let's look at this because you see, every point you prove through the scriptures, there will be many other scriptures to prove that same point. Now, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. Verse 20. Four. Now, first Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Now, Isaiah 33, verse 24 says, None of the inhabitants of Zion shall say that they are sick, because their iniquity shall be forgiven them. Now, look at what it says in first Peter chapter 2, verse 24. It says, Who is own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. Oh, glory to God. In other words, what Jesus did on the cross by paying for my sins guarantees my health. It guarantees my healing. So it says that none of them shall say that I am sick. No, no, none shall say. In fact, the Bible also says in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, the Bible says, The Son of Righteousness we arise upon us with healing in His wounds. The Son of Righteousness. So I cannot be sick anymore. You know, at this point, I want us to begin to declare that none of us shall say that we are sick, that we shall not be sick anymore because we are establishing God's righteousness, because our sins are forgiven us. Now, in case you are on this platform, and you have an ailment in your body, touch that place and say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus paid for my sins. Therefore, I cannot be sick anymore. Lay hands on that part. If you have anybody that you know that is sick, take this scripture to that person. Let them see it. Because the Bible says he sent his word and it healed their diseases and delivered them from all their destructions. He sent his word. Take the word. Show them that he has said that none of the inhabitants of Jerusalem shall see that they are sick. Because he has said it here that he bear our sins on his own body on the tree. So that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Let us begin to declare in the name of Jesus that we walk in perfect wholeness. We walk in perfect wholeness because our sins were paid for on the cross. I'm not a sinner anymore. My sins have been paid for. Therefore, I cannot be sick. None of us shall say that we are sick. We have talked about security and we have talked about our health. Now, another thing I want you to know is that God's righteousness guarantees our prosperity. God's righteousness. It guarantees our prosperity. Now, Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Psalm 37, verse 25. 
God's righteousness guarantees our prosperity. There are certain promises that are attached to God's righteousness. So because I'm righteous, there are certain things I should not experience anymore. My finances are secured. My health is secured. I'm secured from all forms of disaster around me because I'm God's own righteousness. Now look at what David said in Psalm 37 verse 25. Very popular verse of the Bible. David said, I've been young, now I'm old. In other words, I've lived all my life on this earth. He says, yet, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor is it begging for bread. Oh, glory. Look at this. David said, I've been young, now I'm old. In other words, David is saying, since the day I was born, up until now, he says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, and I've not seen his seed begging for bread. See, there are certain things that are guaranteed for us in Christ. The Bible says, for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that though he, were, though he was rich, he became poor. That through his poverty we might be made rich. Now, David says here, he says, I've been young now, old. I've not seen the righteous forsaken. So you could find yourself in certain situations, in certain financial situations. He says, I've not seen the righteous forsaken. In other words, no matter what the financial situation is, he's saying God will not forsake the righteous. And that his seed, his children will not beg bread. His children will not take bread. That's why the Bible says we will not borrow. Instead, we will lend unto nations. That is God's promise for us. David said, I'm young now, I'm old. I've not seen the righteous forsaken. I've not seen their seed begging for bread. Let's just... Hallelujah. Praise Hallelujah. You know, finally, finally, Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17. This is the final scripture. We're going to pray this and the meeting is over. Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17. We'll just declare this and then I want over to Laudu. Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17. Look at what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17. Now, we've talked about our security, we've talked about our health, we've talked about our finances. Now, Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17. Look at what Isaiah, this is Isaiah the prophet. They were prophesying. And look at the things they were saying. Isaiah said, and the work of righteousness shall be peace. Now, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Isaiah is saying that the work that righteousness will do in me is that it will produce peace in me. He doesn't stop there. He says, and the effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance forever. In other words, Isaiah is saying here that because of God's righteousness that is at work in me, I will enjoy peace. He doesn't stop there. He says the effect that because the righteousness of God is effective in me, he says it will produce quietness and assurance. In other words, I'm quiet and assured of the future. I'm not afraid of the future anymore because I'm the righteousness of God. He says the work of God's righteousness is peace. I'm not troubled about the future. He says the effect of God's righteousness is quietness and assurance forevermore. Amen. Yeah, thank you, Father. Elitis ala kalogondos kelepa, ekranongo zeli istas belondo jalpate, a grace the fadigas ka, ipala gitega seto paladins. Hallelujah, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Don't be timid. Don't walk timidly. Don't move with measured steps, diving fully into the pool. Like the prodigal son, when he, he doubted himself on his way to the father, he had no idea that the father was welcoming. Again, I say unto you, the righteousness is of me. Your righteousness is of me. Move fully, move confidently, move surely. 
because I am always for you. I'm always on your side. Move confidently, move fully, move, 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 move assuredly. Don't be timid as you make your steps each day, as you move through this life, through the challenges. Don't ever doubt that I am for you. Don't ever doubt my word and my counsel for you. Don't ever doubt my hand towards you. Don't ever doubt your righteousness because indeed it is not of yourself. Indeed it is of me. Indeed it is of me, says the Lord. Praise the Lord.